It's January 31st, 2019. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for our streets and our stories. I'm here on Kent Avenue in Williamsburg, Brooklyn with members past and present of North Brooklyn Neighbors, a new group comprised of two community groups, NAG, Neighbors Allied for Good Growth, formerly known as Neighbors Against Garbage, and GWAP, Greenpoint Waterfront Association for Parks and Planning, formerly known as Greenpoint Williamsburg Against Power Plants. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Could we start with Jane to introduce yourselves and uh, mention what year you got involved with NAG or GWAP? Oh, gosh. Um, well, when did the power plant, the transgas, that was about 2000? 2000. 2000. It was uh, my first uh, meeting, so I, and I eventually became a steering committee member of the Greenpoint Williamsburg Waterfront Task Force. And then I was really proud the day Peter Gillespie asked me to join the NAG board, which was a couple of years later. And I've been slugging it out ever since. I've been here in North Brooklyn with all my friends. So. Uh, hi, I'm Julie Lawrence. Uh, I became a member of NAG probably in 1995. And I was, as far as I know, I was a founding member of Greenpoint Williamsburg against, what was it, Power Plants? Yeah, um, Greenpoint Williamsburg, Waterfront Task Force. Well, that, there was that too. Oh, oh, that was a different that. Yeah. The Greenpoint, yeah. Um, well, the original block. The original block. Greenpoint Williamsburg against, against power plants. Yes. Then they changed it to Greenpoint Williamsburg. Well, we created Greenpoint it. We created yeah. it. They got rid of Williamsburg. Right. Oh, right. right. And, then I <laughs> and then I was a founding member of when, it, when we made it Greenpoint Waterfront Association for Parks and Planning. And then we've been involved in many other things. Hi, I'm Heather Roslin. Um, I joined NAG in 1996. Um, I was a member for a few short years where, so at my first NAG meeting I met Julie, who then got me involved in the 197A planning process, and then from there I went on to join Community Board 1, and et cetera, et cetera, and that was the beginning of my political Career. I'm Stephanie Thayer. I moved into the neighborhood around 2002. Um, I left to go to Iowa to work on Dean's campaign, and that you know crashed spectacularly. And uh, they encouraged everybody to come back and be active locally. Um, and it also seemed like you were looking at such large national and international matters that doing work locally seemed really inspiring. Um, Greenline had had, an, had uh, an advertisement about a local reporter for local local stories. So I did something on uh, what came to be known as the Faber Building. Um, <laughs> and um, from there I ended up, I don't remember if I got involved with NAG at the same time or a little bit. Anyway, it was roughly in the, it was in the early 2000s. Uh, I ended up on NAG's board and on the executive committee. Um, after and was very active with the rezoning um, and the what was known as the finger building there was a rush for development and this was sort of the epitome of everything that was going wrong with the construction and this sort of wild west of construction in the neighborhood they had drilled through um, the L train tunnel at one point they you know, we're doing shoring that was so dangerous that um, building got cracks in the building and uh, 
and you called the DOB in those days to say, my building is cracking, and the DOB would come and say, okay, thanks for letting us know, now you're all evicted. Mm -hmm. So we were just, there were just a lot of problems with it, and as a result of that, or in conjunction with that, I ended up working on um, some of the rezoning stuff related to height and bulk, which, you know, um, Heather had Heather and Ward actually had done a lot of work on before before I had, had arrived. Yeah, Ward was chair of the Lanos committee <coughs> at that time, so he was he was sort of the community board one, like liaison to the whole task force. And then we had our committees of which yes, I chaired the height and bulk committee, and then um, and there were other committees, and then Peter Gillespie formed the North. Brooklyn Association, which was a coalition of hats. Alliance. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my Alliance. Idea. Alliance. So it was my and idea of all the all the nonprofits in the neighborhood to sign on as a single unified voice. Yes. Um, after after rezoning <laughs> happened, and after rezoning happened, I think that there was a time period where um, you know we we had all as a community had been fighting, fighting, fighting for what could we get out of this rezoning and. Post rezoning, it's like okay, now we've got this host of promises. We've got to make them happen. And I was actually looking through the files, and I saw a letter that you had written saying it's one year now, and nothing is any different. So um, after the rezoning, it really came. It really became about uh, ha having the city fulfill these promises. With that, there was an organization that uh, I was part of, uh, the Open Space Alliance for North Brooklyn which now has also changed to, what is it? North, North Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yes. Yes. So uh, I was on the board, I ended up as ED for that, and, um, and eventually ended up as a park administrator for the neighborhood. And here. Is this a long introduction? Yeah. Let's <laughs> 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 just skip some parts. <laughs> We're supposed to say whatever comes to our mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're introducing ourselves right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Peter Leslie. Um, so I guess I was one of the original members of NAG, and uh, prior to formation NAG, which was 1994, yes. right, 1994 mm -hmm. yes. which formed in the basement of St. Peter and Paul's Church, right? And, yes. And the reason why we ended up in St. Peter's Paul's, Paul's Church is because the, the Neckbile transfer station on the waterfront that had been there for probably around six years, right? When the, when the Fresh Fields landfill uh, tipping fees went up, these commercial garbage transfer stations ended up, ended up in the waterfront neighbors in, in, in Brooklyn and the Bronx, right? Ended up on the waterfront. And we tried, you know, individuals and small groups tried to fight the, 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 the transfer station on their own. We had a video collected. And we tried to go through the community board, and, we, and nothing was happening. It was getting worse. No one was listening to us, and so we all, all the people in the neighborhood, were, you know, from different backgrounds, you know, different education, different languages, we couldn't stand the fact that the water had been taken over by this, you know, this horrible operation. We ended up in this in the church, and we formed, we formed that. And, uh, and I think, and I think the, you know, we also built. We had this extraordinary legacy in the neighborhood, which was the firehouse. You know? The firehouse battle for you know to, to maintain control of services in the neighborhood. We had this because that energy was in the room too, right? We had this this kind of activist, really powerful activist, independent energy in the neighborhood, and so that's that's where we sort of started. And then you know things sort of you know, you know 
guess we'll talk about the rest of the story, but that was sort of the, the kind of the foundation of, of NAG's role in all this. And Peter, I also feel like um, WHOOP kind of was Ooh, the precursor yeah. Ooh, to right. NAG. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so WHOOP, yeah, you tell me, because, yeah, what's the WHOOP was, so I got involved in, it was like February of 1993, you guys were putting together a waterfront workshop because you were angry at the community board for not doing anything for the meeting that they had at, uh, what's that place? The Italian place. Giando's yeah. yeah. that was supposed to be open but wasn't open. So WHOOP was Williamsburg Greenpoint organized for an open process because people felt that the community board's 197A process was not yet open enough. And then that, after we did that big uh, waterfront, um, we must have been there, the, the, um, we had a planning workshop. We had a planning charrette in February of 1993, and then that's after that was when. Oh, so, so that actually happened before the It did happen. Of the first, because there were planning charrettes later. First planning shot was in 1993. So, so when we when we started, when we started, the idea was that we were going to try to get back control of our waterfront through this community planning process. That was kind of yes. the, well, somebody, the idea. Somebody at the community board took over the waterfront committee. The woman. Marcy, not, I don't. I, Marcy, yeah, I don't Marcy think Boyle. for for yeah. archivist purposes, yeah. I don't feel comfortable mentioning her name, <laughs> but um, there was a community resident who actually was employed as the vice president for real estate deals for a ginormous real estate developer. And she moved out Ron Webster, um, a longtime community activist who had come up through the People's Firehouse. She moved him out of the community board position and, and you know, people stood up against it. So there was, um, uh, Louise Gardner Costa died uh, a week or two ago, a couple weeks ago. Uh, there was circulating around right after he died. There's a great video that Scott Frazier had done uh, in 1992. And it just before my even arriving here. But it was amazing to watch this video. It was about 20 minutes uh, mainly interviewing Louise. So, Rabbi Weber was also featured prominently But what was really interesting to me was that it starts out by talking about the environmental problems in the neighborhood, and it's talking about the incinerator at Newtown Creek, uh, and it's talking about the open sewage treatment plant in Newtown Creek. And then as it goes on and on, Luis is talking about, this is 1992, Luis, they're interviewing Luis on the waterfront, and he's talking about it. He's talking about Radiac, uh, but he's also talking about the waste transfer stations, which were just starting from 92, was sort of just the beginning of uh, the Giuliani administration when they started doing all that stuff to get to move away from fresh kills. Uh, so now all of a sudden you've got you've got the sewage treatment plant, you've got the incinerator, and now you've got waste transfer on the waterfront as an issue and all of these things and all these people sort of like you know, forming around these issues right before NAG is found, right before Block was found. It's just fascinating to watch because you can just see it's like, okay, that's what that's where NAG came from. That's where Block came from. All of a sudden that was our plan. And you know, on top of the incinerator at in Greenpoint now there's an incinerator down at the Navy Yard and that's what gets the Hasidis involved in the all and all this sort of stuff. It was really, it was really amazing to see. Yeah. 
there was, there was also, um, you know, I mentioned the video clip, right? I mean, there was, you know, right from the beginning, because I think um, Netfile got on the waterfront in 1988, was it? Yeah. So almost, almost immediately the neighborhood was organizing. One of the organizing after I was involved with originally, other people were doing other things, was this, we formed this video collective specifically to record what was going on in the violations. Uh, and then once we began to do that, just on this particular site, we started to find out from other neighborhoods like uh, in, in Red Hook, in South Bronx, that the, 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 the other waterfront, low-income waterfront, old industrial neighborhoods are going through the same thing. And so that we sort of hooked up to these other organizing efforts throughout the city. But from this, the, this community's contribution to it was that we were recording violations that were taking place here, and it became sort of a record of not only that particular industry, but sort of lack of response from the local and, and the city government to this to this this environmental justice issue. issue right? And so all these things, I think, sort of came together, like you're saying. Do you still have any of that video? Yeah, um, Akash, you I got yeah. Hank Linhart gave us a couple of, the Frasers gave us some videos that are reduced videos, and we're trying, they're all the free for those things now, so hoping that they can be digitized. So, that would be good. Can we have you introduce yourself to yeah, more of the Yeah, we were just going to introduce ourselves and how we're in your house. <laughs> she cheated though, and she cheated. She came over here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Genocide for the city. I'm in Smart to get involved with the, the well, I mean, whatever, with the, um, you know, the, the fight against the power plant. I don't know what it's going on. Obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I fit in. Ward, did you introduce yourself? No, I didn't actually. Um, uh, my name is Ward Dennis. I guess I'm a relative newcomer for NAG. Uh, I joined NAG, I want to say 2007, 2008, I uh, don't remember exactly, but uh, before that uh, and during that I've been on the community board, chairing the land use committee, uh, involved in the 2005 rezoning, and before that I wasn't really involved in neighborhood stuff. I think it was around 2002, 2003 that somehow Debbie Masters 
convinced me that it would be a good idea to get on the community board. And, uh, but, you know, going back to 93 or so when I moved here, I remember seeing stuff about what was going on on the waterfront, and I lived right in the, right in the part of the marathon that was a toxic mile. <laughs> so we were right sort of in the activist part of the marathon, I remember that. But uh, yeah, so that's, uh, and I've been on the board for 10 years, was co-chair with Emily Gallagher, who's not here this evening, uh, for about five of those years. Uh, and but board, you also started, what was it called, WGPA? Oh, the, uh, oh yeah. the Waterfront, Pres <laughs> the, the Waterfront yeah. Preservation yeah. Alliance, yeah. yes. That's right. We did. We, we yeah. used to. Industrial retention and affordable housing. Five. Oh, okay. All and right. I thought there were only four. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I don't think transportation was. No, transportation yeah. wasn't official. Yes, yeah. it totally was. Whatever. Yeah, Teresa was head of transportation committee. Anyway, that's uh, no, no, no. Um, Beth, Beth Lieberman. Hmm? Oh, right. Yeah, and. <laughs> and um, and then there was all the community groups, and then there was Danny and with um, Raina, Raina Huber at the time, mm -hmm. right? Assisted. And Jay. And so yeah, yeah, Jay, Jay Fox and oh. Joe Vance was on Hikeball too. No, 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 no. Oh, I was sorry. going with. Well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. Like to get to the. Okay, go ahead. Right. So Danny, Danny was the he took all everything and he produced the official document like right and that that's where you're going with this like so he was he was the editor basically of the rezoning which allowed it to become a community board document that the community board could sanctify before we move on to the other side of the table i'd like to hear from police who is also part of the nag earlier days police You know, it's funny, everybody's memory of history is always subjective. Yes. Right? Wherever you were sitting, whatever you were drinking or eating. So I was sitting and drinking in Teddy's Bar and Grill. And um, I had been a community organizer here, hired by the Old People's Firehouse in 1979 as their first community organizer after they won a great victory of saving 
engine company 212 through a two-year sit-in. And I knew the neighborhood from other organizing work I had done um, in unemployment centers. And this was a factory town. This was a community from 1979 to 1985 that was active abandonment. And the work of everybody who was an organizer was to really save the neighborhood from the depredations of City Here, Hall. I it was going to be a drinking party. So, because of you know who I met and property values were so low, and uh, as a tenant organizer, if I would go to a building and say to the landlord, "You're in tax foreclosure. <laughs> um, the utility company is going to shut your lights down if you don't pay your bills." To a person, every landlord said, lady, you pay the bills, you can have this building. And I didn't have any money, so I couldn't do anything. But then, finally, one the landlords who owned Teddy's before just put a gun to my head, my boyfriend's <laughs> head. And you know, after a little while, we made it happen. So I morphed from being a professional community organizer here to having a citywide organizing job um, funny, in community policing, <laughs> and um, then eventually running Teddy's Bar and Grill. And in the first five years when we didn't have a restaurant yet, I was the waitress. <laughs> and Peter and the cohort of people who founded Whoop were early, early on um, denizens of, I mean, they owned Table 14 in the front <laughs> bay window. And it was so interesting to see the emergence of what I think of NAG and WAP as a certain cohort of organizer activists, I mean, forgive me, it's like I've been an organizer for like decades, so um, you know, I look at things over periods of time, and when NAG came up, the traditions, and, and before NAG, well, the work of challenging the community work, the traditions of the community were different. Um, the leading organizers were either working class activists who had come up through union movements, no college. Tons of people didn't have high school who were leaders here. Our greatest leader was completely illiterate. He could not read. And I told you guys that story. Again, I don't want to say a name for the record. But he's the greatest leader this neighborhood ever produced. And we would go with him to a high-level government meeting, and we were his consigliere. Stand next to him, and they give him documents to read, and we'd have to quickly read them, <laughs> and then we pretend, Adam, you you don't you don't like this, right? Like that's no good, right? And he was so smart; he could suss out, you know, what the point was. But that was not unusual in the neighborhood. The there was a small cadre of fantastic activists who I was telling you about who came earlier in the '70s and made such an impact from the Catholic. Um, movement, um, the progressive priests, and from Marty Needleman's crowd and Kathy Herman and the planners who came. But then fast forward to the late, to the early 80s when the neighborhood was just really facing a city hall that did not support industrial uses. Um, was not looking to save or reuse the industrial structures that were being abandoned, did not fight to protect tenants' rights. Um, we had a massive invasion of um, 
Eastern European immigrants, especially Polish, who were fleeing during the uprisings and the repressions in Europe, and they were housed in great numbers, you know, 20, 30 people to an old law apartment. And in the face of all that, all the organizing most of us knew and did was uh, protest, put flyers out, mobilize people, hold meetings, discuss the injustice, go to our officials, demand. We didn't have college skills. We didn't do great research. We didn't bring lawsuits unless legal services told us they could initiate a lawsuit. It was almost initiated by them. And we had a lot of racial um, inequality that was kept us divided. You know, we had a legacy of um, one group and another group and another group being displaced because the latest group coming in was scrambling for housing and people were fighting each other at the community board, in their apartment buildings, and in comes the garbage. You know, like the final, the final stake <laughs> in the heart of the community is that the zoning use of our neighborhood allowed the worst kind of the most obnoxious uh, business uses. That was the zoning. And we could not stop the garbage dumping once, as you said, the um, bad actors found out that they could bring their operations here as of right. We couldn't stop a power plant as of right. We couldn't have stopped an automobile factory that was working with chromium <laughs> because the zoning allowed that. And what I saw as um, a bar operator were all these young, creative, and college-educated people were having robust conversations was that these people were looking at the world through the eyes of young, educated, people with a rapacious appetite to make their world better. Like the movements I've been part of in the 60s and 70s, that your crowd was like that. And you know, sometimes really obnoxious and ballsy and not, not respectful or reverential to the people who came before you. I mean, you know, so what? You gotta get over that. Um, and I remember, I feel like, and I, I, maybe I'm making this all, but I feel like I went to your table after knowing you and you talk and laugh like a year or more, and I told you and the, all the, guys, the people you hung out with who did um, ah, the Irish ladies and um, the guy who, who ah, I can't think of their name, the group of people you hung out with, you also did videos, with. and I said, Peter, the community board is holding these meetings and conversations about the, what's going on here, and you people should go. You're not involved. They make all these decisions. There's some not great people, and at that time, Ron Webster was leading um, the Waterfront Committee. And Ron really meant well. He came out of the firehouse struggle. He had been a leader. You know, he, he was trying to bring the awareness of the community to the opportunity to influence the whole waterfront. And I'll just end by saying, if you remember, that was because for 100 years, the industrial use of the waterfront was railroad to barge. Because in New York, in the Industrial Revolution, that's how goods were moved. And it made New York perhaps the 10th largest industrial community in the world by the 50s. 
and then various forces turned that fate. The city was doing nothing, and that company went bankrupt. And they were thrown into receivership for a, a bunch of years, and they were coming out of receivership. And that's why the Waterfront Committee was formed at the community board. Like, what's going to be their fate? The plan was abandoned. There was crime there. There were um, homeless encampments. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Some people called it the Riviera and enjoyed using it. <laughs> right, right. And so we were faced with this problem. I think, I think that I would just sort of say the birth, for me, the birth of NAG and its, the people before it was that we, we all faced this problem, as you were saying, which was our community was coming through a bad time. And there was, fate was in front of us. Were we going to be destroyed by um, garbage dealers and racist landlord developers and terrible no planning decisions and removal of services? Or were we going to face the opportunity to create a neighborhood for people to have a better quality of life? And, I, and the young people that became NAG and many of these other groups that were mentioned, I felt like you brought you brought a lot of skills to the struggle that we weren't as conversant with, and you really moved you moved the uh, I don't know what you say you moved the game forward, and um, and it, and it's it's just beautiful. I'll just end by saying it's beautiful now, so many years later, to see. The young people are aging. They're getting dissed off by the new generation. But the people here, and that's what's so astonishing about this North Brooklyn, the people have fought. And, and one thing, y'all, I thought you were going to tell, is that um, Louise Acosta Gardin led the coalition that saved the Williamsburg Bridge. Because the, the second to last stupidest thing that the city tried to shove down our throats was, oh, the Williamsburg Bridge is falling apart. Let's get rid of it, because nobody goes to Brooklyn anymore. <laughs> so I, my memory is like a, a table, Guinness, a table. Sierra <laughs> Nevada. Susan, since we're down here, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm only going to say for a minute. I'm sorry, you guys. Say hello. Sorry. I didn't know it was going to be such a formal. Gathering. Oh, we're not formal. <laughs> informal. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I got home day. about uh, 6.30. I went in the basement. I found my tub of files, and I very quickly pulled them out, and they're all over there. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought it was like a Maria Kondo thing, you know, we were supposed to clean up our house. <laughs> Anyway, so I don't know what's in those files. Some of them I kind of went through. Oh, there's nothing too personal anyway. But So it's great that you guys are here. When did you join? So I joined in, uh, I want to say, 2001. Yeah, that was right. And I was, I was uh, co-chair for the last two years with Michael Friedman Shop, so you should definitely interview with him as well. So anyway. So I, I was, um, my kids were born in uh, 96 and 99. I moved here in 88. And... Um, so I kind of got involved with the park because we used to bring our carriages over there and we were like looking at yeah, McCarran Park and we'd be looking at the pool and we'd be like, why isn't anything happening here? We'd be sitting in the park with the baby carriages going, boy, you know, this park really sucks. <laughs> and then after a while, a bunch of us got together and we organized to um, take over the sprinkler park area. 
This is before the pool, long before the pool was owned, was and we got some money for that. So I was involved with that, um, and it actually really started with me um, swimming with my kids at the Met pool, and saying to them, "How come we don't have a changing table here?" And they're like, "Oh, you want to be on the committee now?" <laughs> you know, and so that's that's basically what happens, right? And then um, Joe Weisberg asked me to join. So he was one of the original owners, owners, organizers, right? I think he he's, was here from day one. So you should definitely interview with him. So anyway, so it's and it, it has been. I'm so glad Peter's here. It's nice to see you, Peter, because he's got the whole history. And I was going through history stuff that that we did. Um, part of you know, kind of going on what Felice was saying. One of the first things that we did when I got here, um, when I started working for Nag or, or volunteering for Nag, was this park. And just, it had gone, and Kathleen Breen had really been the champion of that, and bringing it to uh, the, uh, the state and getting the state to fund it. And then we formed a friends group. So it was a very, very beginning. So I brought some, some uh, information from that, from when it first opened. And then, um, what were some of the other things that we did? We worked a lot on the, 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 uh, the rezoning, the advocacy about the rezoning, and what that rezoning meant to NAG. And so there's some information in there that I was looking at. Um, we um, trying to think of what I, I was trying to think of like the visuals because I thought this was going to be I didn't know it was going to be a recorded thing I thought it was going to be just like a bolted board. Um, we organized that um, that the the, the uh, debate for the city council seat, which when you think about it was ten years ago, the ultimate verbal smackdown, <laughs> and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And actually, it gave I think it gave Nag a lot of credibility, and it was also interesting to think that that was ten years ago that we were on the cusp of. A major change in our leadership, and you know, I think Steve's done a great job. In retrospect, Steve did not come to the debate, so I remember that was part of the whole. We had a bunch of other characters there. Um, I'm just trying to think. I don't know if I have much else to offer, but anyway, it's been it's been great to work with Meg, and I think I uh, I was the chair from uh, co-chair with Michael from 2009 to 2011. Then I resigned in 2012 to really focus on the firehouse. And then um, I worked on the firehouse for about five years. So, and then again, I have a whole another archive of firehouse stuff. If <laughs> looking to archive that, so, and I think that's a really important initiative for NAG going forward. And um, the other thing that I found, that, and and actually, Ward and I had talked about, I think, at the party, was the um, the genesis of the concept of civic association, which was something you know we had convened a lot of meetings. And I was like looking again those old files over there, like 2007, 2008, we, were, we began the conversation about how to form a civic association to really align the mission of NAG and its work with, um, with you know, the changing community and, and to really look at, you know, how we can, you know, facilitate more involvement from that community. I, I, I will just say, just as, you know, sort of in closing that um, when Emily Gallagher ran for, um, Community committee, couple of female district, right? right. Female district. It was what was it like four years ago. Anyway, so they did a um, heat map, and I know I think I mentioned this to you, where they looked at where all the votes were. She didn't win, and there were like nobody voting here in these buildings. And there's lots of people leading these buildings, but there are like three people voting. And so I think that's really the opportunity that NAG has going forward is really organizing all these new residents. And there's a real, really great opportunity to do that. So thanks. I'm sorry I can't stay late. I've, got to, I've got, actually got to go to Michigan tomorrow. So I'm like, I thought I'd just come and stop in. But I'll stay for a little bit, because thank you. That's where we're going to Thank you, Baltimore. When did you join? I joined yeah, NAC probably around yes. 1998 or 
Yeah, because I moved here, we bought a house on Bedford Avenue in between North 8 and North 9 in 1996. And uh, I remember I found a sign like people, NAC was organizing cleaning the waterfront. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> that was here on 4th. Yeah, seven, 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 yes. Yeah. seven, yeah, 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 I think so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. we clean up, we clean up here that, uh, that part of uh, yeah yeah no, that was great. <laughs> one year you had a mini golf thing set up for some. Oh right. Event. Well, we had yeah, it was like that later. Yeah, yeah, it was Sorry. a whole and, day event. So. And uh, uh, at that time I met Peter and somehow I joined then the the, the garbage transfer station and and uh, so I, Peter asked me to join the uh, NAC and later the board of directors. So from 1990, probably seven, eight, or nine. I don't remember exactly, but around that time. Start with the cleaning the waterfront because yeah. we wanted this park and uh, and uh, I moved from Poland in to United States uh, during the Solidarity Movement mm -hmm. in '87. I came here and I started living in an L train Myrtle Avenue, Bridgewood. Mm -hmm. But uh, at this time I worked in the design studio at the Gap. They opened up in. 88 or something they open up uh, from San Francisco design studio and uh, uh, I study at FIT fashion design and continuing education so it was proximity to an L train to Manhattan and to FIT that was the reason I moved here closer to from Ridgewood to uh, Bedford Avenue and I was lucky at that time in 95 the houses are affordable. I mean, even I didn't have a lot of money, but on shoestring operation, somehow I bought it with 10% down, which was a little bit, uh, <laughs> but it was for 200,000 at that time. It was 96. Peter, 82, Peter probably paid 40,000. We got, we, <laughs> Well, we well we didn't go to public auction. We we bought the building the last that back then the buildings went in rem for back taxes. The guy the guy said I I can't rather give off give up my building to pay my taxes. And the day the last day before the city was going to take it over, we made a deal with the owner. And the only reason why he sold to us is because all the people that lived around him he hated all of his neighbors. And so my wife and I showed up, and he said, Well, at least I'll make a couple of bucks off this. He refused to sell it to his neighbors. Uh, but he did. He sold it to us. He identified with. I think he identified. He identified with these two young couple, like sort of. Anyway, no. I'm just, it was sort of, cur it was sort of curious. Thing, no, no. But that. No. Come to the firehouse? To go to, to like put yourself in front of anybody from the community and say, hi. <laughs> oh, I don't, I, you know, I think, I, that's a good question. I don't really have an answer, but I do remember. And I might, but, you, well, no, I think I, I think I heard, I think I heard to the grapevine, because the firehouse um, had a lot of, a lot of community programs there. And one of the programs, they had a really great guy on staff who helped low income people fix up their homes. And I think I just found out to the grapevine that you had a program for people who didn't really have many resources, but were you know gave us 
technical advice and resources to help us do it. And I think, I think I just heard that through the grapevine. I showed up because of that. I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the firehouse subsequently helped us. They, they helped us design our heating system. <laughs> they helped us to get, you know, by, by materials. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, so I think it was, you know, it was, it was that that got me to the firehouse. This, this question about the neighbor, I mean, okay, maybe I'm being a little pissy about the, about the neighbors, but the, 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 the story, because at that time, the, the, the owner of the building that, that we bought it from, he couldn't pay his taxes. Why? Because the rents that were being given, you know, you can get at that time were not enough to actually pay to support your building, well, right? Sure. And so I, you would... You, you, Oh, that's a overwhelmed by, and, and it's actually a huge life lesson as activists that to pass rules and regulations, the people have to understand them, be on, apply yeah. to them, able to do them. And like I said, so many people here were not very well educated. Right. And you had to file paperwork every year to move well. rents up. And, and the building I got, they didn't. Before right. we get a little okay. bit yeah. further, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I'd like to make sure that we get everybody yeah. who uh, is more recent sort of to the, the organization. So we'll start with Alan Minor. Hey, Not Alan. An <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the outgoing chair. My name is Alan Minor. Um, I moved to New York in 2011. Uh, the first day that I moved here, let me backtrack. I moved here because I had this really silly idea of creating a social network for one-time volunteer opportunities. And I thought, having visited here a couple of times, that this would be a good neighborhood to test out the idea. I had a few friends that lived here. Um, it was a very inviting place, but I really had no idea kind of how complex this neighborhood was. Um, but I would soon learn. Um, <clears throat> so I started, the day that I moved here, I started cold calling, cold calling organizations in the neighborhood, seeing what volunteer opportunities that they, uh, they had. I think I actually talked to Julia yes. um, that uh, day. But the first- organized like 20 volunteers show <coughs> for every one of our concerts, cleaning up the neighborhood, up and down the streets, um, yeah. yeah. The very first person that I talked to is actually Ryan Coonan. Um, I don't know where she is, but hopefully she's around and, and will join us. Um, and I had an amazing conversation. Um, you know, we talked for probably 30 minutes um, and she just kind of gave me the lay of the land, told me who to reach out to, um, and then told me about uh, Williamsburg walks and that that was going to be an upcoming volunteer opportunity uh, so a few weeks later I ended up volunteering at Williamsburg walks uh, met Ryan really had a good time so yeah sorry uh, Williamsburg walks they shut down a few of the blocks on Bedford Avenue we uh, we? It was Nag. I mean, we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm saying it from a, a volunteer's a, a volunteer's perspective uh, in 2011. So I had a really great time. Had a great experience. Periodically would volunteer with uh, with Nag. Um, I think the next year I volunteered at Taste Williamsburg Greenpoint when I was over at City Storage. Um, I think. My next interaction with NAG was 
actually at the NAG Gala in 2013. Um, and I volunteered. Um, I think I got hooked up through Joe Mysick and and she put me in touch, I think, with Ryan or, or Rita, and I volunteered. Had a great time at the gala. Felice didn't know who I was, but suggested that I uh, think about joining the board. Um, and after a few weeks, I decided to uh, take that up, you know, leap on that opportunity. Before then, I was kind of doing activism, um, in a very interloper fashion. Um, and I felt that if I had a more, if I, if I joined the board of the organization or joined the, yeah, joined the board, um, I would have, it would, it would teach me how to organize. It would teach me a lot of things and give me a greater platform to, to do the kind of community development work that I was interested in. Um, so I joined the board. A few years later, I joined the executive board as vice chair. Um, then about two years ago, March 2017, um, I became chair. And now I am outgoing chair and handing off the baton. Chair sure, emeritus is how yeah. you say it. That's, <laughs> a, you know, that's the fancy way of putting it. Handing off the baton <laughs> to Lisa Bloodgood and Nicole DeFeo. Oh. It really works like a transformative chair, Alan. <laughs> I think a lot of us would see that. Like, you looked at the organization from the perspective of almost the next generation and said, what are our challenges now? Who should be at the table? And you did a great job of, of um, recruiting some fantastic people and creating a great structure, helping us get to the place of having such a fantastic executive director. So, And Alan really made sure that he also, not only did he look forward, but he looked back and he recognized that those of us who weren't directly involved anymore also had value and worked very hard to make sure that you re-engaged us, and that's a really I think, <laughs> I think one of the things that this organization, at least when, you know, since I've, that I've been on the board, one of the things that the organization has struggled with is this kind of storytelling that we're doing right now and passing on, um, you know, this oral tradition of our, our history and I just wanted to say that I'm glad that this is happening now because I really do feel like if people knew all the things that happened in this neighborhood, you know, not just in the last, you know, 25 years of our existence, but over time, they have a greater appreciation of um, where they are and, you know, happy that this is happening, so. So let's move it down to Lil. Hi, um, I'm Lael Goodman, so I am probably the newest person here, um, the Environmental Justice Program Manager, and I started in October, so after NAG became North Brooklyn Neighbors, so uh, part of the new generation, I guess. I'm Rosie, I'm a guest. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you told the chair of North Brooklyn 
its first year of operation on Jack Street in Greenpoint um, and helped physically build out that garden financially um, as well as constructing the existing experience. And I'm excited to be a part of this community and expand um, the network of work that's being done on a much broader scale. And it's humbling to be in the presence of all these people and continue this legacy. I know I have a lot to learn. Nicole and I actually met oh, at yeah. Williamsburg Walks volunteering <laughs> yeah. um, in 2011. And for a few years. Um, but I, I mentioned that because I have a lot of confidence in, in her ability. And you don't meet her first impressions. Um, not many people make uh, very memorable. memorable first impressions, but she made one. Um, she definitely has uh, leadership capabilities and, you know, very high intelligence. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to <coughs> seeing her flourish. Well, you yeah. passed that baton so well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Charlotte Benz. I'm the second newest person here. Um, and I really started getting into community organizing just about four years ago. Um, I got involved with participatory budgeting, thanks to Lisa over here, and um, really ran with it, just saw the potential, the exercise of democracy, and all, all kinds of um, things about it that are so cool, and got involved with my local school, Brooklyn Arbor, um, who wanted to create a green playground, and we ended up winning the number one most votes um, and got a $400,000 lush eco playground put in is right next to the BQE, right next to the access to the bridge, There's a lot of traffic, kids have asthma. Um, so it's a really tremendous development there. It's really exciting to see and it continues to evolve. There's now a green wall and it's gone on to be more and more lush. Um, and then I got involved with the Go Green Festival. Um, just looking for hubs around environmental issues and uh, saw an opportunity to expand that into a year-round green hub and, and put forward a grant proposal with GCEF to make the Go Green Hub, uh, which we won and built, which is very exciting, still out there, um, and then joined you guys thanks to Alan. So this is a well, beginning here. We met because you came to a volunteer transportation working group meeting that that we had over at the Bush Brooklyn Lake Park Community Center four, five, five years ago. Right. Um, so we've introduced everybody now. So maybe we can uh, take nope. Lisa, 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 and Anthony, and Anthony, and Anthony. Oh, and Anthony. Right. Scoozy, scoozy. All right. Jeez, I know. So rude. Um, so I know most of you, but not all of you, and I'm really excited to meet you, Peter. Um, That's amazing. You've never met me. I've never met you. So, nice to meet you. Now you see the real thing, and it's like, really disappointed. I knew I shouldn't have come tonight. This is it. So, I actually know most of you because. Without you know getting really into my backstory of like how I got here and how I got involved in, in community advocacy because that's another story. I do know most of you because I um, 
I worked for Councilmember Stephen Levin from 2011 until 2016, and uh, I was his environmental advisor slash community liaison for Community Work One. And um, my introduction to NAG, I think, was really through you, Ward. You know, it was like, oh, we've got a meeting with NAG, and Ward is coming, and then it was uh, lots of talk of Domino and uh, you know, tenants' mm -hmm. rights and ULERP and a lot of things that are like, what are they even talking about? Because <laughs> I understand. Uh, and I learned a lot, and so um, I was, I have been working with this neighborhood for a number of years, and when I left my position at the council member's office, um, NAG was kind enough to uh, honor me at a gala, uh, their one, of, one of their annual galas, and I was very pleased and very surprised, and it was very unexpected, and um, you know, it was nice to leave the council member's office and then be acknowledged for my work with the community on environmental issues. And one of the like most incredible environmental advocacy organizations that I know and had the privilege of working with. Um, and then was recruited to the board by Alan. And um, it, was it wasn't just me. Multiple people. <laughs> We had, we had been recruiting you. That was one of the reasons why we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had been recruiting... You were revealing our techniques. <laughs> <laughs> but you, were, you were on the list for a long time, but you were working for an elected representative, right. which would not... Against the bylaws. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so... Um, you had other champions for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't here tonight that I think are incredible. I, I don't know. Hopefully, they have an opportunity to to be interviewed and to share their their experiences with the organization as well. But um, yeah, so I guess I joined in 2017. I joined the board, so two years now, um, which has been great. I won't quickly skyrocketed through the ranks, <laughs> became vice chair last year, and now um, I'm part of that torch passing from Alan and Nicole and I um, are holding hands <laughs> to be co-chairs together because uh, it's big shoes to fill, right? So we uh, didn't want to do it so well. Um, yeah. That's my experience. Can you just tell us what you do for your day job? Because I think your day job is really relevant to this, Lisa. Yeah. Because you're all over. And I went to that bookstore on Java Street, and I'm like, yeah, you work for book club? Yeah, somebody spoke from there. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's me trying to break a line. Yeah. Well, OK. Thanks, Julie. Um, <laughs> my day job is um, my very lofty title is Director of Advocacy and education for the Newtown Creek Alliance. Uh, and so I guess uh, my working hours and my non-working hours are all about environmental justice for North Brooklyn and, and surrounding communities, right? So uh, whether it's a super fund or a brownfield or uh, air quality, I'm waterfront. there. <laughs> a waterfront, I'm there. Absolutely, Love. waterfront. Um, Lisa mentioned it, but uh, 
Emily Gallagher, Joe Weisbord, uh, Dewey Thompson from Guap, and I think Laura Trakiokas from Guap are all out of town today. Mm -hmm. so and Michael Shop. Mm -hmm. The Mike shop is also out of town, so there were there were a lot of people we invited and reached out who definitely should be here. Did we reach out to Andy and, and Martin? Martin, Martin mm -hmm. And Martin Dunn? I saw Andy. I, Martin, 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 we did. Yeah. 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 I deal with Martin through his new housing developments here. Right. Did you so, guys ever go see them? I digress. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but but so there, there are a lot of important people who have been mentioned around the table uh, who aren't here because of travel commitments and they were sad to not be here. And I'm sure that Robert, you know, Robert the Bratkos, I think you know Peter, they live oh, in Staten yeah. Island yeah. and I visited them in October and tried to get him. He's still it's great. That's so great. Yeah. Are you trying to it's great. get yeah, they, Robert he's, Bob he to come? He had some surgery and stuff, but I spent a few hours with them in October at their house when I was on a bike mm -hmm. ride, and otherwise he would definitely be here. So he used to live on um, on uh, Berry Street. Didn't he head the parks? He, he was the he was the one who started, started the the pool thing. The advocate. Yeah, he was the real advocate to restore. Well, yes, there the, there was there was under well, so okay, that's sort of the theme yeah. of the night, right? <laughs> like there were there were all these undertones of things happening, and then there's like a moment where something coalesces and it becomes an official organized. Group of some sort, and and he, I I would say, my, I know, agree he, with he you. was he was the one who kind of took all those undertones for what should happen with McCarran Pool, and and made it into something. You know, it became a committee on the community board, and it became a group that sort of advocated for it. And and without his laying the groundwork, I mean, he wasn't there when it finally became. You know. Became was restored, but with, he was the one who he came to the open. He did. He did. And like without, without the work that he did to without the groundwork that he laid, the right. pool never would have happened. So yeah. let's back it up and, and have Anthony introduce himself. I'm actually the second most person. Sorry. Starting in June 2018. Still here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget about Benjamin Solitaire. Oh, wait. Why, why didn't you come here? Why did you oh, want to work here? No, so I mean, the, what's your own background that well, this resonates I will say with? that um, I've never heard of that before. I um, heard fully on the radio. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why credit for, for things that have happened in the organization and Anthony has really busted his ass and 
it's his organization, I, I would say. So I, I definitely think that Anthony deserves some recognition uh, for all the hard work that he's done. And he's only the second executive director, isn't that right? In the Not even. But Peter was, you never had the title, oh, you right? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? <laughs> Peter, when he came in tonight, he said, so how's it going with NAG? And what I was just telling you is the past, it's actually before Alan, but even back in Charita's time, the past two to three years, we've made a very big transition in terms of getting funding, focusing on environmental issues. And the biggest thing that we've done is to be able to hire a full-time ED and a full-time environmental organizer uh, and you know we have done this organization over 24 and a half years did amazing things on volunteer power and we uh, but volunteer power only gets you so far and it's really amazing that in the past few years we've been able to finally get to the point where we can have a bigger organization we just in 18 months we've tripled our budget uh, which is which is incredible and and success we had a respectable budget. we could only go up but success to get success but also just have, you know having volunteers can do so much and particularly I think as you know police said as the neighborhood changes and we're looking at uh, different volunteer constituencies, we are changing. Our board is changing. Uh, we have always been an activist board and will always be an activist board, but what people can do and how much time people can give shifts. And we have, thanks to Alan, thanks to Rita before, uh, and thanks to everybody on the board, we've been able to put ourselves in a position where we're doing amazing stuff on the environmental advocacy front and hopefully soon doing more amazing stuff on the planning and open space front but mm -hmm. you know just the stuff mm -hmm. that anthony and leo are, are putting out now is just you know mm -hmm. orders of magnitude higher than what we were able to do as volunteers so that's that is great. But I think there's something But that really also goes back to to Peter well, yeah, was no, some, there's something really magical words. about NAG as an organization. I think it had to do with a a broader scope than maybe some other organizations have. That that even though it was neighbors against garbage, there was there Garbage. Right, and there, what, there was sort of a, it was an openness to, to embrace environmental justice in whatever that meant. And it meant, you, you know, we've talked, so just hearing all these stories, we've talked about um, bad landlords and violations and, um, and plant industrial use, like yeah, in good, there was, there was a whole period, right, where NAG was helping um, industries Stay in the neighborhood, like try try Rose Shelving and mm -hmm. and um, Acme. 
expand. Acme, right. That was and like how, radical. How do, how do they do business in a cleaner way, right? And so it wasn't, and then there, there's, um, we've talked about racism, we've talked about, you know, just, just about. Everything for parks, too. Open space, space as well. Planning, um, neighborhood growth, uh, what it means to be a community, what it means to be um, a part of a community, and, and that's, you know, what's allowed NAG to go from something that was, you know, a couple dozen people giving their time 25 years ago to, to what Benny said, you know, what it is now. Well, like, so creating this park was the first tangible thing that we did. Right. Right. I mean, I'm right. sorry, first getting rid of Nenba, but the park right. wouldn't be here. No, but it exactly. Wasn't for right? That was, that was a real I would even say, well, I agree with you. I would say there was even the, the, the sort of energy behind it, I would say, was even broader than that. Maybe you, you might disagree with me, but I, I thought that NAG was, at the end of the day, and nagging the people that were involved in that, we were like a political organization in the sense that we really believe that a community should have control over its own destiny. Now that we should Absolutely. be able to define right. who we are, what we want here. We wanted to we wanted to build a community for the people who lived and worked here. We wanted to be mixed use. We wanted the open space to be for the people who. Not, not to kick out the people, but the park should be for the people who live here, who are who came before us. It was just, it was a political organization with this underlying value system. It was very, in some ways, it was very radical. That yes. It was, well, that was the energy that I think sustained us. I mean, that, those those that that, that opportunity is gone though now. I mean, I'm not trying to put this burden on the new leadership because, just, <laughs> no, because I, don't, I don't think I think, I, I think one of the remarkable things is that NAG has like tr you know transformed this kind of moving in, what can we do now to make a difference in the community? But I think originally we had this, you know, do you agree with me or not? That we had Absolutely, this, we had this yes. vision. It wasn't like, we, we weren't just a planning organization or an environmental justice organization or community advocacy group. We really thought that we were going to be able to control the destiny of this community for the people who lived and worked here. And we had a vision for how that should happen. And, of course, a lot of forces worked against us. We won some battles. We, I think we ultimately lost that we lost that war, right? But then in the aftermath, we have this, you know, this, that's what I think is extraordinary. In the aftermath of that, there is this kind of underlying energy now is being directed towards what can be done now to make this community work for the people who live and work here. I think that ethos is still exactly there and, and has been all along. And I was gonna say exactly what you just said, we lost a lot of battles. Uh, we won a lot of battles. We you you know, said we lost the we, war. We got the I think the war is still going, yeah. still going yeah. on. Oh, maybe the war is still going on. I don't know. Uh, you know I uh, retired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah you retired, so I'm curious. Um, I, I think that, I mean, the only ginormous battle that it's hard for me to admit we lost it because I put so much energy yeah. into it the was the rezoning. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. feel, I really feel like it's not the community lost, but we who participated in it were too ignorant and under-resourced to have done much better than we did, given what we knew then. If we yeah. knew now what we knew then, how would we play it? And it's almost a little bit like the yeah. Amazon conversation. Right. And I'm really not sure. And it's, I, you know, it's not part of I, your archive, but I, I think it is. <laughs> I, I, I actually have a conversation, which is like, 
we know how it all worked out and like what the, then the mayor, the next mayor did when he came in. Like, well, we were undermined Stephanie, by a lot yeah. of elected officials <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Yeah. I mean, it's all true, but if you, at the ultimate I got opinions here, but I want to Stephanie first. I, um, so maybe a year or two afterwards, I went on vacation. I was on a, on a, on a boat with, uh, you know, maybe 10 people. And I, someone on the boat, well, what do you do? I work for the mayor. What do you do for the mayor? Wait, well, I work mayor on rezonings. This oh, was under, Bloomberg. yes. And I was like, wait, what rezoning? After we had all just spent like <laughs> years. Our whole life, three years of our lives. She said Williamsburg. And I, she didn't want to talk about it whatsoever, but I had to hear. I said like, look, we were fighting for four things. And, you know, we went over the parks and open space, you know, continue to have jobs within the community, the affordable housing. Mixed use. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so I said, what, you know, we got this and this, but I would say that we did not get the industrial retention. We got screwed on this and that. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, and, right. I, and we things. did not contain sort of the height and bulk, which impacts the number of residents, which impacts sort of, you know, the character. Yeah, the, I mean, because yes, when you have a community right, of 200,000, you bring in 150,000 people that have much higher incomes than the people who are there, it changes everything. But anyway, so I said, we got this, we didn't get this, what should we have done? What should we have done from your perspective, sitting in the mayor's office? And uh, she really didn't want to talk about it, but I pushed her. <laughs> and what she said was, you know, all along, the mayor's priorities were affordable housing and parks and open space. So if Which you wanted to get the of. whole, if you wanted to get the whole, you know, everything that you were arguing for, then basically those two groups should have been fighting. Basically, um, we should have been focusing our efforts on those other two things that we didn't get because the mayor was already give planning those, on doing, those uh, planning on doing from her perspective, yeah. planning on doing everything that they could on parks and open space and everything that they could on oh, affordable so housing. Impressive. Right, but, so, but parks yeah, and open space. I'm just telling wait, wait, you from wait. the other, yeah. from the other yeah, side's yeah, perspective. Yeah. Whether we agree or not, that's what they say. I disagree with Peter on the war analogy. And you disagree? Yeah, I, because I, I don't think oh, the, I, I don't think the war is I don't think the war is over. There's still a lot of battle, but but I also I also think that the rezoning was even if we had done better in the rezoning, there was so much of a market going on around that. I mean, when we were on the community board before the rezoning, we were getting. Dozens of variants. That was like all we, all we there did. There was a huge amount of development that was happening all around the rezone. Yeah. And there's the whole market of what's been happening otherwise. Even if we had, even if we had won everything on the rezoning on that one geographical area, the rest of the market would have. You know, yes, this would have. This would be a little bit less hyper luxury than it is now. It might be like, you know, grade two luxury instead of grade one luxury. But the market was still doing, the market was but still market, working against us so hard all But long. the market, um, I mean, the market isn't, you know, we, we gave a certain FIR, FAR on the waterfront. So that wasn't a market thing. I mean, that was the Yeah, zone. but that was just so, the, water, so, the, water, the waterfront was a small percentage of the overall redevelopment that was happening. More, 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 no, more, right, there was more impact upland 
and everybody was focused on the waterfront. But there's more one of, one there's of no the, affordable housing up plan. There's no. There, there, but there's, but there's, well, one, in one of the discussions we had a lot during was that was that the 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 ripple effect. <laughs> yes, the ripple effect of the waterfront development. Yes. How? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, okay, so tying this back into NAG. So, so another discussion we would have constantly during the late 90s, early aughts, when all this was going on was like, why is it, why, like, why is it always a trade-off, right? We, we either have garbage or we yeah. have luxury high-rises. Like, why, why does that, like, why, why are those the only two options? No, but that was it. I See that, Ned? That, so, no, that's okay. I, just, I went to every meeting that Amanda Burden held on rezoning, and I said, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. I've got people on, you know, the south side telling me, you know, Bring in the power plant. We'll get rid of the yuppies. There were a lot of people who said that. There were a lot of people who said that. They were like, you know what? This is a disaster. Bring back the power plant. Give us a garbage truck. We were played. I believe we were played. Totally. I think the one place where we won that fight was at Bushwick Inlet when both Bloomberg and De Blasio basically wanted to say, well, you can have the luxury tower or you can have right. And, and that was the one place that we if, were actually But I, here's my, my answer, because I, I think Felice asked a really good question. Is that this, you know, if looking back on it, to me, I, I agree with Kate, is that this idea that there was some sort of planning panacea, right? That the community was going to get involved in this planning process and the city was going to act in good faith and there's going to be some negotiations. We were going to get a lot of stuff, they would get a little bit, and it would all work out in the end. If I was to do it all over again, that, that panacea was, it was an illusion and that we could have, I mean, you're talking about like market forces. You know, this waterfront, I can't remember now, but this entire waterfront, didn't Norm Brodsky buy this entire waterfront for 10 million? Four blocks. Seven. 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 Seven million dollars. No, no, well, you're saying no. What are you saying no? No, no, he bought the he entire waterfront for but my point, no, my right, point, right. my point was that, that yeah. if if I was to try, if I was in the same place now, knowing what I know now, I'd say screw the community planning process. Let's see if we can figure out a way to create some sort of community development fund, and we buy the friggin' waterfront, and then we leverage that. We leverage that for the things that we wanted. But we tried that, and we didn't we, we had Yes, right. Right. That was a new one. Everybody, they were Everybody, let's say a legacy. Oh, hi, I'm sorry. I'm Sarah. Porter, hi down there. And so, yeah, I was part of NAG in this back then in the 90s or late 90s, and then many other but I think what uh, I remember well, Peter saying, oh, well, darn, if we had just gone to that bank, flew out to that bank in Montana, right. that was the one that had the, the, uh, the mortgage or whatever on, on all the land. And that's 
to 4G and Norm Brodsky together, not just one or the other, but together brought the entire site for one million more than what the environmental bond, yes. what we were yes. going to get right. from, right. through yes. the Trust for Public Land yes. from the Environmental Bond Act. Right. Right. So there was then, a community, what? There, there was basically what year was this? a community proposal to buy the land. Yes. There was a proposal from through Lentall and No, you mean people. the park over here? The full 20 oh, not, that, not that I know about that. Yeah, I know nothing right. about that. Well, I know this site was right, the right. bond because me no, and Mary sold it. Sold it. Found that bond. Sold it to the okay. first yeah. proposal was the entire 20, you know, from yes. North 3rd or North 5th. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never knew that. We were talking about that from North 6th. No, North 6th. When, when you were talking about it before, it was the Brooklyn Eastern District terminal. Yes, right. It right. went from a North Six or North Seventh all the way up to uh, North Fifth. No, 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 to twelve. To the to what became the um, oil refinery to no. the place that was Bayside, 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 Bayside. To Bayside. So, so to Bayside. the point is that City he bought it for no, it how much? Ten, eleven. For eleven million. And then to everybody. So the point, the point I think that that Peter was trying to make, and that. That's all right. He bought it for how much? Eleven million, just one million more than what the community had gotten together. And if we, the community, you know, NAG had taken a couple of board members or whoever, I don't know, steering committee members, and gone to that bank, that was like a Dutch bank or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they were in in but Montana. But then he said, then we could have, we could have, you know, maybe yeah. convinced them that we've been working really hard here. And we, we, you know, we really think this is a good idea. Will you give us a break? Like a community land trust. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know. And, and then we he ended up that. selling back, what, was two blocks for two how much? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Five acres for $10 million. And, and the sellback is what's now our state park. Yes. Well, so right. well, no, yeah. 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 the, the state park sold for something on the order of $10 million? million? No. That's so weird. That's just not my memory. I really think it would be worth then, checking with Kathy Peak. That they were different acts. For $90 million. Right. You mean for the VIP? For, for, for the yeah. soccer field. Yeah, 80, 80, 80, yeah. That sold for $80 million or $90 million. Yeah. And then his city storage site, $160 million. So essentially, he and his partner sold for. 260, 270 million is what they bought for a million dollars more than we could have bought for. It's called being screwed twice. I just have to say, my, no, I, I agree. Just absolutely dead right. I was to do it all over again. And, and you know what? That's what, to me, that's NAG's legacy in the community is to be able to look at a tough problem like that where it's economic and it's planning and it's political and say, wait a minute, let's step back and see how do we win the community interest. But I would just say in the park thing, I would just like to check that. I mean, Kathy Peak was our invaluable instrument to, to, and it's just not my memory that it was that swatch of land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, that, and at the last minute, the bad actor, I'm not gonna say who, bad actor is now a friend of ours who came in and took a piece of land out from under us that we had access to. So I just think we should check if and, it's going to be Kathleen's history. Kathleen's husband worked at 4G's. <laughs> Kathleen Breen? No, no, Kathleen Breen. Her yeah. husband worked right. at 4G's. Right. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. No wonder. <laughs> 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 I 
if he had not, you know their history. He, you know their history. He had the real story. Hey, if you knew her husband and you think he had any ability to negotiate anything, I don't think so. I knew him. I totally. What if we had, as a community, refused to participate in this Well, that is. And no. the other thing, no. too, no. No. because, because the community that. board would have voted things down, and it's only an advisory vote, so it, no. it, it, it No, no, we went all right the over. way to the mayor's office. We said no on every vote, and, it, and it, then it got negotiated behind doors yeah. under mm -hmm. Vito's leadership. Somebody mentioned Uh, the one thing that was an unfortunate, I, I don't know who was a battle won or lost, but battle won, the North Broken Alliance was an amazing moment in 2004, 2005. Yes. Where Vinny and we had all the groups in the community essentially right. lined up on the table. Right. Agreeing on one plan together. Agreeing <laughs> on one plan. In every community. It, Broke up at the end because basically the you know, affordable housing got more. And, but what was unfortunate about that was that it wasn't somehow continued. We didn't figure out a way to say, okay, that's done. Now let's well, keep all these groups together doing the stuff that we're doing. We thought about it, but that was, that, and that was Peter's work getting all these groups to never agree on anything. Everyone kind of realized that we don't stick together. We're definitely screwed. Right, we needed to speak with a united voice. Yeah, I think everyone kind of figured that out. We created a forum for that. Jane Jacobs' vision, and Nag was featured. So there's a there's some kind of yeah. uh, display again more stuff. Right? I, I know I sent you with some kind of digital files on this stuff at some point. But again, that I think that really is true that Nag does embody her vision. And it was a real. It was a huge and by the way, she honor. wrote a letter on behalf of the community, if everyone remembers, right. during, during the rezoning, yeah. to support the um, the what is inclusionary zoning. So I hate to interrupt. But I, I'd like it if we can mention any names of anybody who wasn't here tonight. Michelle and Jim. Michelle and Jim. Oh, yeah, Michelle. Abigail Neville. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. I think I was there that you, and he was a very oh, yes. excellent. Well, he was a, he was, he was an he was a trained organizer. Oh. And it helped. It actually helped to kind of you know focus our energy. How did you meet? And, and he showed up, because oh, he, he, he and his wife didn't move to Maybury. He showed up in the Peter Paul Church basement. He just showed up. And no, it's yeah, I thought he was a co-founder. So he was, he was a, a co-founder. He was there for us. He, you know, I think it was his organizing history and instincts. We saw that there was something. Okay, so here, here's yeah. a question. So Julie and I have, I found you when I was going to 
going to the grocery store. You were set up on North 7th Street. Oh, we used to do table in front of the subway. Oh, by the subway station. Well, yeah, right. So, is that, so anyways, yes, I was going to Tops, back when Tops was the grocery store in the neighborhood. And, yeah, and um, now it's, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, speaking about, right, so. meeting people for the first time. So the first time I met Peter, I, you know, was walking back to my apartment, and there's this table, and Peter's sitting behind it, and there was some petition sign, and you convinced me to come to a meeting at, in the basement of the church, where I met Julie <laughs> for the first time. Um, Right here in the woods? No, it was so, I don't know. We had street fairs. We had a street tops. We had a street fair like on, remember the one with with Tony Pergola and all that crazy stuff? It was like on Barry and North 7th. It was right by where you Yeah, it was like Barry and North 7th. Hey guys, before we get any further, I think I'm going to probably, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, good idea. I just want, one thing I'd like to mention is that we had, um, Pre-internet, we had some yeah. local... Oh, right. You know what that yeah. is? so important. Yeah. Yes. 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 To, to organize so well without the internet. That's without, right. yeah. We had a phone we tree. Phone, Do you right, phone we had a phone tree. tree. We had phone trees. We had a phone tree. We had a phone tree. We had phone trees. We had We did mailing. We also had like a Thousands of people sit. We sit in Bob Bratko's basement and like stuffed envelopes for hours. Because we didn't spend money on stamps. We physically deliver the mail. Yeah, so that's a whole archive in itself. Like how. But our communicators are valuable still now. I think if we had a local paper that was kind of hip and kind of cool, you know, I was like, oh, people would like it if there were. Out of the archives, wow. like the MAG action meetings, 
All right, so you remember those? Alan, you'll have to give this to the to our project. Well, they're, they're listed in the Waterfront Week. I think it was like every third Monday or something, or actually every Monday. I think y'all were doing weekly meetings, <laughs> weekly organizing meetings. All right, so we're going to take the rest of the conversation offline. But I'd like to thank you all for being here and sharing your memories. Thank you for being here.